You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're continuing on a teaching entitled Looking Forward. Can I get you to say looking forward? 2010 is a year of growth and... uh, Growth is not just a eight-week series that I finished a few weeks ago. It's uh, something that needs to be happening and emphasized in our hearts and our lives. Uh, personal growth, spiritual growth, us individually, us as a body. Numerical growth is a secondary thing, but I do believe that that happens as everything else happens. And uh, the more healthy we are, the more that we grow personally and, and as a church together. And so this, this is an exciting year. Thank you all 12 of you. I see more of more of you than that. But, uh, and, and God is at work and we want to certainly cooperate with him. Um, about a month ago, I was at a conference. And I shared this with you that I heard a quote by um, uh, Pastor Brian Houston of Hillsong Church in Australia. And it just kind of went off on the inside of me because it said it articulated uh, so clearly a number of things that I've felt, and I find it applying all over the place. But I, I want us to go over this again because this has much to do with how we look forward. But it says, our loyalty to the future, it's on the screen for you there, our loyalty to the future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. Will you say that with me? Our loyalty to the future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. And then the last few weeks we've looked at and celebrated the fact that we are multi-generational, multicultural. And I think that's a heavenly thing, uh, to have a slice of the city as a part of the church. And what I'm calling all generations and all cultures to do, though, is to represent and to step forward and be a part of the face of the body of Christ, be a part of the face of Meadowbrook Church. Uh, it's very important that you do that. How do, how do you do that? Well, for one, you're here and you participate. But also, I'm calling a bunch of you to step forward and to serve and to be a part of the active uh, first face that people see. Because of this, because whenever anybody goes anywhere, they look for someone like themselves. They're looking for themselves because then they'll feel more safe. And so it's very important that as people come they see multi-generational, they see multicultural. And that has to be uh, exhibited uh, in our ministry of help. So from parkers and greeters and servers and on the stage and everywhere else, we need to definitely reflect more and more and more multicultural, multi-generational. And so um, on your way out, there'll be some folks that are handing out some things uh, to help you make that next step. And, and I pray that many, many, many of you will step forward and, and help us in that as, as we endeavor to uh, better reflect the face of the body of Christ here at Meadowbrook. Can you say amen? All right, we're going to take a sharp left turn here this morning. And uh, if you look with me in Psalm 42, and this will be on the screen for you. I see that couch in the background. I just want to kind of lay my head over on it. Psalm 42, verse 5. And the psalmist says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope. In God, everybody say that hope in God for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I want you to notice that the psalmist is talking to himself. He said, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. He's talking 
to himself. He's asking questions. And I think it's okay. I think it's healthy to talk to yourself. How many of you ever talked to yourself? Now, it can be embarrassing if you're talking to yourself and somebody walks in. You know, and then you just act like you're, you got your Bluetooth, you know, or something. Uh, but I think it's healthy uh, so long as you're not cynical, critical, or arguing, you know, with yourself. That's, that's probably okay. But in this sense, this is very healthy. This is a good practice. Rather than quietly and, and passively staying troubled... He's talking to himself about it. And I want to encourage you this morning that far too often people live, go through their day feeling kind of low, feeling kind of down, upset, troubled. And you know what you do so often? You just quietly, passively stay troubled and stay down. And you're really not equipped to stay that way. It is bad for your entire system, spirit, soul, and body. And the psalmist here uh, does something, models something for us that I feel is very important. And he says, he asks himself the question, why are you cast down? He asks a second question a little later in the verse. And he says, and why are you disquieted within me? He's asking this. And one translation brings it out this way. Why are you down in the dumps? How many of you have ever been down in the dumps? How many of you are there this morning? Okay. And it's all right. Uh, but don't stay that way. We have a little saying around here. I'm either up or I'm, or I'm getting up. We have plenty of opportunity to get down and stay down. And the enemy would love to keep you down. But we're either up or we're getting up. And you might be in the process of getting up and your face is still in the gravel and your knees are bloody. But I'm getting up. I'm getting up. Just go ahead and say it. I'm getting up. And so why am I cast down? Why am I disquieted within me? And, and some of the other words are discouraged and downcast. In the Hebrew, it has the idea of depressed and anxious, disturbed and troubled. And the, the original word here is downcast, downcast. And let's look at this in the light of something here. If this is your eye, and just go with me, okay? There's your eye. And this series is called what? looking forward. So we're supposed to be looking forward. And what the psalmist is asking is why are you downcast, which literally means looking down. And when you're looking down, you can't be looking forward. And so we've got to correct this somehow because our loyalty to our our loyalty to our future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. We've got to start looking ahead and, instead of just licking our wounds and looking at our situation and being downcast and cast down and disturbed and depressed and disappointed and troubled. And so he asked, and it's almost rhetorical. He said, why are you downcast? Why are you cast down? And the list would be a zillion reasons. And he already knows in himself Why am I down? But, you know, sometimes you have to locate that. I'll find that sometimes. Years ago, uh, before we had expanded the building and things like that, we we had four Sunday morning services and a Sunday night service and a Wednesday service. I'm actually only 14 years old, but that just wreaked havoc on me. And Mondays, I would start my day off 
And I felt horrible. I felt slow. I felt down. And all of a sudden it kind of occurred to me, I was drained. I was drained emotionally. I was drained spiritually. I was drained physically. I was just exhausted on the inside. And we began to make some changes. And then, of course, over time, you know, we're able to whittle back and just do the two. And I've told the Lord, I'll do as many services as we need to do. And so y'all help me and we fill this up. I'll do, I'll do four on a Sunday morning because it's about his kingdom. It's about re- reaching people. But here's my point. There are reasons why I was down. Instead of just saying, I don't know, Mondays are just horrible. I'm just, I'm just down. I'm just... I'm just down. There's reasons. And what you have to do sometimes, have you ever just out of the blue on a Thursday or a Saturday or whatever? And everything, as far as you know, is just kind of okay. And you just kind of got this. Okay. Maybe it's just the first service people, but (laughs) you can share it with your down friends. Okay. But glad you got it all together. But that just kind of happens. And the psalmist models this. He says, why am I down? Why am I down? And, and he knows, he knows the reasons. There's probably a zillion reasons why you're asking me why I'm down. I mean, don't you know what I've been through and, and what's going on right now and what they said and what she did and what he didn't do and what I did. Don't you know that plus the, that life is just a continuous cycle of crisis and process. I mean, on my best day, the, and I best laid plans, some things go wrong and this and that. And have you not heard the news? And don't you know this and that? And so there's reasons why we would be down. But I'm not content with the reasons. Because more important than the reasons, follow me now, more important than the reasons is the remedy. And we've got to embrace the remedy for this malady. And so the psalmist says, and this is powerful here. Why am I downcast on my soul? Why am I down? Why am I disquieted within me? And then here he gives us the remedy and he says this hope in God. Everybody say hope, hope in God. I love it in the living Bible. It says, expect God to act, expect God to act. So the remedy is, and get a hold of this again, the remedy for this, to keep us from looking down and to have greater loyalty to our future, the remedy to this malady is hope and that we put our hope in God. Notice he addresses himself. His own spirit rebukes his own soul. And I want you to get a hold of this because this is at the basis of it all. The soul is healthy. The soul is healthy when hope is present. The soul is healthy. Go ahead and say this with me. The soul is healthy when hope is present. Now, let's look at the soul just for a moment here so we know what we're talking about. First of all, you've got to know that you are a spirit and you have a soul and you live in a body. I'll go over that again. Everything changed for me once I finally understood this. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And the eternal part of me is my spirit. I believe that the soul also accompanies in an eternal basis. And I don't have time to teach all of that this morning. But one day we die and this body drops. And it's just the tent that we live in. This is our earth suit that we wear while we're here on earth. Y'all with me so far? Okay, well, the seat 
of all this, the seat of the intellect, the seat of our emotions, the seat of the will is the soul. And the soul is healthy when hope is present. What happens in the soul? The soul is your will, your intellect, and your emotions. It's where you think. Get a hold of this now. This is an important place. It's where you think and feel and decide and dream and come up with ideas and come up with solutions. That's in the soul. How many of you know our soul needs to be healthy? And the less healthy our soul is, the more critical this is, the less hope there is in my soul, the less healthy my soul will be. And this is too critical because this is where I think and feel and decide and come up with solutions and dreams and plans for my life. It's out of my soul. And so I'm going to have to stop being downcast and stalled somewhere. And I'm going to have to start looking forward. And the only way to do that is through hope. And the soul is healthy when hope is present. Can you say amen so far? In 3 John 2, it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so it's an inside-out kind of proposition. And the, the, the ingredient that needs to be in our soul is hope. Hope. You cannot look forward without hope. Hope looks to the future and you can't look forward without hope. You'll be looking down. You'll be looking around. You'll be looking back. And so you've got to have this. Are y'all all here? Amen. Okay. And so it is, it is vital that we are able to go from a cast down to a looking forward situation, looking into our future. Otherwise we regress when we should be progressing. We just finished, not me personally, but we just finished the winter Olympics. And it's said of people that are wanting to be an Olympian that they are Olympic hopefuls. And we just had the Winter Olympics and they show several of the little documentaries on some of the people, you know, and how they, how they trained and so forth. And it's, it's, you know, out in the snow and it's on the ice and it's all these kind of things. And, and there is something about them that keeps looking to the future. It is their Olympic hopes that drives them and propels them. And I've thought about it before. You know, think about if you were a skater or a a skier or whatever else. There's got to be these early mornings that you get up and you're out on the ice and you go, I hate ice. (laughs) Tired of being cold. My body hurts. I don't want to do this. You know, you just got to. But what drives them? Their trainer. No, it's the hope. It's their hope that they establish the beginning. And then we always watch somebody gets injured or, or disqualified or something. And, and they say this, that their Olympic hopes were dashed. And so they're looking forward to something. You're looking forward to something that you don't have right now. You're looking forward to a condition that does not, is not presently in, in front of you. The Bible says, why do we hope for something that we see and have? That's not hope. Hope is when we, we're hoping for something that we don't see, that we don't have. We, and, and Bible hope is a confident expectation of what is out ahead. This verse is kind of apropos for um, Mother's Day as well. I'm going to read the one from the, the Message Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 24. It says, that is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us 
But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. My daughter-in-law is, what are we, six, seven weeks? About six weeks away from having our first grandbaby. And we're excited about that. And, and what happens, though, listen, they haven't lost hope. The longer, it's like, I thought we were going to have a baby. They haven't lost hope the longer this goes. And she is carrying like a pro. It's just all baby. But the longer it goes, the larger the baby spot gets. And with that greater expectation. Are are y'all with me? And we almost need to be, get this, pregnant. With the hope of what we're hoping for. Are y'all hearing me? Not just wishful thinking. I'm pregnant and it's not here yet, but it's coming. And you're growing and growing and growing with it. Amen. Now, let's move on here. The first thing you've got to do with your hope is you've got to put it or you've got to place it. You've got to choose hope. Y'all get a hold of this. You've got to choose hope. You've got to wake it up. You've got to not recruit it. You've got to enlist it. And you've got to choose hope and place it. Once hope is in place, hope will control fear. And hope will control despair. The bigger your hope is, the stronger your hope is. And it's not just going to drift into you. You've got to decide to be hopeful and to cooperate with some things that causes hope to be big on the inside. And once you get hope in its proper place, it will control fear. It will control despair. If you find that despair and fear are too big, hope is not big enough. And you need to allow that hope to grow and to be big on the inside. Y'all hear So you've got to wake that up. You've got to choose it and put your hope, place your hope, not just in anything. You've got to put your hope and place your hope in the one who's able to overcome or outlast any problem that would be there. If you put your hope in the wrong place or misplace your hope, you're going to be disappointed. Listen to this quote. It is impossible for that man to despair who remembers that his helper is omnipotent. And when you remember that I put my hope in God and God, God is able to do anything, it's impossible for you to despair when your hope is in God. Amen. Second thing that you've got to do is you've got to remember. Remember. Everybody say remember. remember. In verse 6 of Psalm 42, it says this, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. He's still talking about it. Therefore, because of that, here's part of the remedy. I will remember. I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill of Mizar. He's looking forward. Yet to look forward, get this now, in order for us to look forward, we have to think back. To look forward, we have to think back. We have to remember. Um. David, uh, well, let me, let me stop and do this. How many of you have any history at all with God? Okay. How many of you have ever had God do anything for you in your life? Let me, let me put that up for you. How many of you have ever had God come through either by you begging or, or you gave up and yet he still came through God came through, God came through. All right. If you have any history at all with God and somebody say, I don't have any history at all with God. I doubt it. 
There are times when you or I were out being a knucklehead and running wild and running toward hell and God saved your life. God preserved your life. God, God did a number of things to direct traffic. You have history with God. And all you need to do is think back on your history and you'll be encouraged for your future. David did that. He showed up. Everybody was hiding behind rocks and in holes and they were discouraged and they were downcast because of the giant Goliath. And what he did as he's looking forward, he also thought back and he thought, now, wait a minute. You delivered me from the paw of the bear and from the paw of the lion. Same category, just not as hairy. And so by thinking back, he was able to look forward with great hope and he went and was able to conquer. So in order for us to look forward, you're also going to have to think back. Let me read this to you real quick in Lamentations chapter three from the message Bible. I will never forget the trouble. Let me stop right there. How many of you have had some hard stuff, been through some stuff? How many of you know that? Well, here he even says, I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness. The taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. But, everybody give me a but. But But there's one other thing I remember. And remembering, I keep a grip on hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all I've got left. God proves to be good to the man who passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from the Lord. And what he did, he said, I remember all the junk. I remember the stuff. I remember hitting bottom. I remember all the things that went wrong. And the things that were done wrong to me. He said, I remember all those things. But there's another thing that I remember. And when I remember this, then I have hope. And it's the faithfulness of God. In order to really look forward, I'm going to have to think back. And when you rehearse your history with God, you have courage and you have hope for the future. Now, when you put hope in place, hope looks to the future. Remembering looks back. Hebrews 619 talks about this, that hope is the anchor for the soul. It's the anchor for the soul. That's for the present. That's for right now. There are situations in life. How many of you know that things come out of the blue sometimes? There are situations that come on a micro scale, macro scale, uh, you know, national, individual. All kinds of things come to life and they will blow you off course. And we have got to have an anchor that holds you steady in the storm and keeps you from drifting away with the tide or with the undertow. And hope serves to be that anchor so that past, present, this is my anchor, and future that you are held in place by hope. Now. Two other things I want to share with you this morning. Are y'all, are y'all still here? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the New Living, it says, Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. The other thing about hope is hope works With faith. Hope works with faith. 
follow me on this. Faith gives substance to the thing you hope for. Hope gives faith something to work with. Hope gives faith something to work with. Hope comes up with the blueprint for faith to build something. And if you don't have hope, follow me. If you don't have hope, then your faith will lie dormant. And when faith is dormant, fear is active. And so instead of just living with our life as it is, let me remind you, life is not static. It does not just stay the same. And if you're not progressing, you're regressing. And faith is what causes you to be able to look ahead and go ahead. And your hope fuels your faith. Sometimes people say, well, my faith's not very big. And I'll tell you why your faith's not very big. Because your hope is not very big. And your hope is not very big because you've got a small view of an incredible God. And when we choose to look to God, then our hope rises up. And we look at our history with God. It causes our hope to be big so that we can look ahead. And hope gives faith something to work with. Then lastly, hope speaks Everybody say hope speaks. Whether it's healthy, whether it's sick, whether it's lost, hope speaks. It has something to say. You can locate a person by the words of their mouth. Y'all stay with me just these last few minutes. Come on. You can locate a person. You can talk to them for about 10 minutes. And I can't read minds. But I could write a... And don't get nervous being around me, okay? But you just talk to a person five, ten minutes and you can locate them. If they'll go beyond the pleasantries and the surface talk, lovely weather we're having. Fine. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) But if you ever get the time to just spend a little bit with somebody and start to talk about what's going on in your life. How you doing? What's happening for real? Instead of it's all good. What's up? Yo, me too. Later. Peace. You know, not a lot happens with that. As you talk with a person for a few moments and listen to me, if their hope is sick, if their hope is huge and healthy, if hope is lost, you're still going to be able to hear it. The other day I was getting a haircut. Looks good, don't it? Never can tell. It's like, oh, you did your hair. No, it's always this way. Um, and there's a, another customer in the place, and I could hear her talking, and I just thought, I want to go give her a, a gift certificate to some other place. <laughs> and she talked about the, you know, the attempted thing in Times Square. She talked about this, talked about that, and her hope was just spewing how bad things are and how bad they're getting and how this and And I thought, I will never invite her anywhere with me. And, and listen, folks, here's the problem. And I prayed for her. When I, got, when I got back in my car, I just prayed for her. I thought, how horrible to be so hopeless. How horrible to be so hopeless. Your hope speaks Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. 
For he who promised is faithful. And when you put your hope in God, and when you remember how awesome God is, and you put your hope out there, faith will come along and start building something incredible that's not currently in your life. But you've got to keep your hope speaking You've got to keep it speaking. What should it say? It should say what God says about your situation, which equals his promises. You need to say what God says. And listen to me. Look at me for this. Never use your own mouth to speak against your own hope and future. Never use your own mouth to speak against your own hope and your own future. Don't be saying, I can't get a job. I can't get ahead. Nothing ever goes right for me. This will probably go kaput too. Hush your mouth and get some hope back on the inside. You got to choose it. You got to waken it up. And as soon as you get it right in the right place and keep feeding it, I tell you, fear and despair will hush their mouth and back off into the shadows where they belong. When you've got the, the soul is healthy. When hope is present, looking forward in your own life, no matter what your situation is right now, you need to see yourself with your hurts all healed and you full of hope and you helpful to other people. No longer a loser, no longer a victim, no longer a loner, no longer a poser, no longer whatever, but see yourself as healed by God, full of hope, helpful and useful to other people. Let me just wrap up with this. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. But our loyalty to our future must be greater than our loyalty to the past. Meaning this, everybody's got a story. And I want to encourage you this morning to start writing the remaining chapters of your life with the voice and with the eyes of hope. My future is bright. Come on, you need to start thinking, my future is bright. Yeah, but we don't know about the government and we don't know about terrorists and we don't know this. But you know what I do know? He delivered us from the paw of the bear and he delivered us from the paw of the lion. And he'll deliver us from any other thing. Since when is God hemmed in with these other things? And since when do we allow those things to overshadow the hope that comes to us from God and from God Almighty? Amen. Your soul will be healthy. When hope is present at all costs, keep your soul healthy. Put your hope in God. Expect God to act and march right out there into a brighter future than what you're thinking now. Amen. Amen. She got it. Anybody else get this this morning? Thank you, Lord. All right.